Hello and welcome to Dream Life Best Fit Role with me, Nikki Smith. I'm a psychologist and a career and business coach. I believe everybody can love their work and I help people to use their natural strengths to transform their work life and love their job. These podcast episodes shine a light on individuals who have created their Dream Life Best Fit Role or business. I focus on how they've played to their natural strengths, those activities that energize and inspire them, and how they've conducted mini experiments to take the fear out of change and generate momentum. Hi everyone, welcome to today's episode. I'm delighted once again to be speaking to one of my clients who's a fantastic woman. Her name is Deanne Renting and she currently works for an engineering firm for a large multinational company in Perth and we've done some strengths coaching together and we've been exploring mini experiments together and she is a gun at mini experiments so it really made sense for me to ask her to come and share some of her experiences with you. So welcome Deanne. Hi, Nikki. Thanks very much. So let's dive in. I think we'll actually start with your strengths to give everyone the foundation of where you've done these mini experiments from. So can you share with us a bit about your strengths first up? Yeah, sure. So it was interesting, actually, Nikki, going through all of the uh, the questionnaires and, and what came out. It was quite a revelation. But the combination that I've got is communication, individualization, learner, significance and input. They're amazing strengths. So just to touch on them again, the chance of anyone having your strengths in that order, your top five strengths is one in 33 million. So they are unique in themselves, but as a combination, they're particularly unique. So I'm just going to give some definitions to those for you. So Deanne is strong in communication, which means she finds it easy to put her thoughts into words. She's also strong in individualization, which means that she sees the unique qualities in other people. She has the strength input, which means she has a strong craving to know more and likes to collect and archive information. She's also got significance, which is she wants to be independent and be recognized and be significant in the eyes of others. The last one is she's also got learner, which means she loves to learn. And I think she's the person I know who listens to the most podcasts. So there's this insatiable insatiable curiosity for her to learn in fact she's just encouraged me to up the ante on how regularly I post these podcasts so thanks for the encouragement Deanne well I was just saying that I love listening to it now that you've got them coming out regularly so great to hear the different stories so in terms of strengths as a combination they're, they're really powerful and with that as a backdrop I want to dive into the mini experiments that Deanne has been doing because they are many to share and we're going to look at how they've been going and look behind the scene. So to set the same mini experiments are a chance for us to be a scientist and to explore something and to explore it out of curiosity rather than focusing on the outcome. We want to see how we look at and feel before, during and after a mini experiment. And the model that we use is you first of all connect with something small, a micro experiment, which could be one hour. Then if you're ready, you either do another micro experiment or you create something a little bit bigger, a mini experiment, which could be three to 15 hours over one to three months to immerse yourself in that idea or project or concept for a bit longer. And then the next level up is the project experiment where you would go for a year long experiment. I can't wait to dive into this. So Deanne, you've been an absolute star. You've really embraced this mini experiment model with a number of ideas and projects. So let's talk through some of them. Which one would you like to start with? 
Well, I guess let's start at the beginning. And and really, we started talking about the mini experiments just as a way to explore some different things and discover different things that I might be interested in. As you said, I'm a person that loves to learn. I love to collect input from different places. And and I was looking for a way to grow my creativity and explore different strengths and skills. So we started off, I put together a, a blog. And really, that was just a way for me to start writing stuff down and have a place to put it, I guess, to just put it out there. And it really took on all kinds of different topics. And it was actually just pretty satisfying to go through the process of building up the website myself, but also just to focus myself on sitting down and writing. And writing's been something that I've always enjoyed. But, you know, I guess as you get busy and as you get into work and kids and stuff like that, what might seem frivolous activities can sometimes fall by the wayside. And so I I did really enjoy that and I found it really satisfying to come up with a final product that was out there, you know, on a website. And it's certainly not the first time that I've put together a blog myself, but it was really much more long lasting and, and exploring different topics for me. And so that I really enjoyed. I remember having the conversation around one of the questions you had, which I think a lot of people do have when starting a blog is, do I need to pick a niche or can I just write? And you can go in either direction, but the beauty of letting yourself write on a number of different topics actually gives you a chance to explore which topics actually really appeal. Which do you get more joy out of? Which do you have more to say about? And would you agree that was quite helpful to broaden the topic range? Certainly. And I found myself also looking more reflectively at my life as well, because I started to think it's something that I want to write about. And it was also kind of nice because it was something that I'd put together and I wasn't trying to target a specific audience or do anything with it, really. It just became an outlet for me and things that I wanted to write about and I wanted to explore. And then as I went through different experiences or different trips or other things that I'd done, I would then find myself looking back on it and being reflective in a way that I could put that into words and share that with some broader audience out there. What would I want to say about it? That was also kind of nice rather than going through life and going through experiences and things without that chance to sit down and think back at the end about it. Then writing was a nice way to capture that. Fantastic. And what's your blog called and where can people find it? So I've got a website that I set up through this and it's www.deannrenting.com. And I actually haven't written much on it for a little while, but I've also found myself starting to write things and just save them in my computer. And I guess that also shows a little bit of that. Initially, it was really nice because I wasn't feeling self-conscious or I wasn't worried about who was going to read it or, you know, finding a target audience or anything like that. Like I just wrote it just to to enjoy the process of writing. And it was nice to have a way to just publish that myself. So it felt like I had a deadline and it had felt kind of official rather than maybe a more personal journaling or, or something like that. Did the before, during and after change at all the more you did it? Can you remember what the before, during and after was like early on with posting blogs versus what it might have been a bit later on? Well, the, the first step, it was quite hard because I didn't have the website set up and I didn't have any of the infrastructure. And so it felt, I guess, overwhelming and it felt pretty monumental to try to get there. But actually, once you know, break it down and of course, there's a lot of advice out there on how to set up a blog. It really wasn't that hard and I could follow the steps and build it. And that was cool. And it was nice to feel like I had the control over it and it was completely whatever I wanted to put in it, whatever I wanted it to look like. And I could go in there and tweak it and change it. I remember some frustration building the site, making it look how I wanted it to look was pretty frustrating at times. But then that point at the end that it was all there, 
it was really satisfying. And then also just posting stuff up. It was, again, that feeling of satisfaction of being able to come with a product and hit publish and putting it out there and that's it and this is official. That was kind of nice. It felt like I had a purpose to it, which, which I enjoyed. Fantastic. Should we talk about your podcast experiment next? Yeah, yeah. So I guess then the build on from that was to start a podcast was kind of my next experiment. And that comes back, I guess, to the communication piece. And one of the things that I really love to do is to, as you said, with the individualization, bring together people from all sorts of different areas and build on their strengths and, and leverage those unique capabilities of all kinds of different people. And so having a podcast was a way that, yeah, I could connect with people and, and talk to people from all different places. And at the time also, I was living in Thailand for work. So that was another way that I could connect people in different parts of the world, even though I wasn't physically in Australia, for example. So I decided to set up a podcast. And I originally thought, well, okay, you know, this idea of a podcast sounds kind of cool. As Nikki's already said, I love to listen to podcasts. And initially, I remember hearing about uh, a podcasting class, Radcasters. And I thought, oh, that would be kind of cool to have my own podcast. But then I was like, what would I talk about? And who would want to listen to me? And I don't know about this. And I just was in the back burner for a long time and I just kept hearing about it. And one day I thought, yeah, why not? So at that point I thought, okay, well, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start a podcast. And I started to try to brainstorm different ideas of what my topic could be. Initially, the idea that came up was to interview women and make it about women in leadership and women in business. And I first thought, well, you know, there's so many podcasts about business and particularly targeting small business owners and women in business in that respect. But I felt like there weren't many podcasts about women more in a corporate setting. But as I started to dive into it more and more, it, it just felt really heavy and it felt very serious. And I just wanted to do something that was perhaps a little lighter, a little more fun, had a little more ease to it. And I think, Nikki, at the time you asked the question, what do you enjoy or what's something that you're fascinated about or that you could talk about for hours? And the other thing that people often asked was, what is something that people come to you with questions about or people ask you about for your advice or your expertise? And I thought, well, it's it's usually about food. And I'm the sort of person that I constantly have like a list of restaurants or food places that I want to go and people will come to me and say, um, what, you know, we're somewhere good to try, you know, even when I don't necessarily live in a city. And so I thought, yeah, let's chat to different people about foods. And that's when I ended up with a podcast. It's called The Land of Plenty. It's out there on iTunes and it has an associated website that has a lot of show notes and, and some um, similar blog posts. And really the whole concept behind it was telling the stories of people that are growing food in Australia and showcasing seasonal, local and artisan Australian foods. And so I got it live, I think, April of 2016. And over about the course of six months, recorded uh, 20 episodes. And most of them are interviewing people from various aspects of the food industry from across Australia. And it's so brilliant. And I don't know if anyone's sitting out there thinking, but podcast, that's a massive project. So there's a few things I want to touch on. The first one is, and I just love that you did that. And I love that you did 20 episodes. Initially, the mini experiment or project experiment was to do five episodes with not feeling like you had to marry the concept and do more. But the other thing that I really felt set you up to succeed, Deanne, is how closely your strengths were aligned to this mini experiment. So if we look back onto Deanne's strengths of communication, being able to really articulate 
articulate her thoughts, individualization, seeing the unique qualities of others and bringing them together, learner, just really craving to learn, significance, you know, wanting to be noticed, wanting to be respected in front of other people and input that kind of craving to know more and connect ideas. Hoping you can hear and see that actually the podcast mini experiment is fantastically aligned to those strengths. And then when you combine it with a real area of interest and joy and passion, it becomes a fun thing. And certainly I remember there were some highs and lows in there, but overall I felt like there was a lot of happiness that came from that mini experiment. Yeah, I certainly enjoyed it a lot. I really got a lot out of it. I loved meeting the different people. And even now uh, I haven't recorded an episode in a little while and playing around with whether I should or not. But that's another story. But I still, when I talk to people or when I mention the podcast, I'm like, oh, wow, you've got a podcast. Suddenly, it almost sets you up with a little bit of credibility almost instantly because I suppose putting together a podcast isn't a small feat. There is quite a bit of technical work involved. And being able to follow through on that and get it published in iTunes, it does, I guess, bring you some sort of, I don't know if significance is the right word, but the fact that you're willing to go to those lengths means people know that you're pretty passionate about this and it's something serious. Yeah, I think so. And look, yeah, significance is an interesting strength and it'd be interesting to know for you whether it's something around visibility or something around that connection with other people. Certainly, you know, when you interview people, they tend to be really appreciative of it as well. You know, there's a really lovely exchange that happens on a podcast, actually. Yeah, there is. And people were also really honoured to be asked as well. And what I found interesting was some people had asked me the question, but how did you get the guests or, um, you know, where did you find them? And I said, well, I just asked them. I asked a lot of people and there's some that I didn't hear back from, but I just sent out emails, just cold calling almost and just asked, hey, you want to be on my podcast? And and especially when I didn't have a podcast yet, I had to start somewhere and I started just actually, Nikki, I think it was a connection that you gave me was one of the very first episodes. And that was also really helpful as well is because it gave me a way to reach out to other people and I could ask within my network of who do you know in the food industry that has an interesting story to tell and through someone that you knew, then someone that they knew was how I ended up with Syncona Tonic Syrup. And and they were one of the first people that I interviewed and I didn't know anything about them and I learned about this new product that I hadn't discovered before and now I'm a real convert to artisan tonic syrup. (laughs) Yeah, so that was just, it was just really, really fun and like you said, it really did bring together all of those pieces from my strengths. One thing I wanted to mention is often with mini experiments and even thinking of navigating career change and for other clients and things like that, often connecting with someone is really powerful. And actually, there's usually a bit of a stumbling block at that point. How do I connect with them? And what I always recommend is to go through warm or hot contacts. So whether that's through people you know or have a think about who's in your network who are natural connectors so when Deanne was saying to me I'm trying to find guests I I love connecting people to people so I talked to the local wine store owner in Barwon Heads Arenia about who she knew and she happily connected me with the tonic genius and connected Deanne to her so it is interesting how you don't have to do the hard yards because when we play to our strengths we sometimes need other people's strengths so if you need to be connected to someone then find a connector either in your network or ask around because some people find it really easy and natural to do such as I do so crossing that bridge or cold calling or emailing can feel really daunting but there are other ways to do it as well yeah certainly the other thing that was nice about the mini experiment though was I had a really good reason to connect with them because as I was trying to put together this podcast I kind of had a purpose whereas sometimes we want to learn more about a different area or we want to make connections in 
fields that we're perhaps not as familiar with. And to just start cold calling is really, really hard. And also we all, we don't even know where to start. And that was what was kind of nice about this was you were able to hook me up with the first person. And then I, I had a legitimate topic to discuss with her. And it's not like, oh, I just want to learn more about what you're doing. Because sometimes that feels a little bit vague and a little bit open. So I liked the mini experiment for a way of giving me that purpose. And then from there, once I had a podcast, I sort of had credibility and the other people that I had interviewed could then introduce me onto others, which they did. And so that kind of opened more doors. And as I was talking to people within the food industry more recently, when I said, oh, I've got a podcast and I, and I named some of my guests, they were like, oh, wow. You know, and that really then set things off from there. Sounds like it's the gift that keeps on giving. And when we start a mini experiment, we don't know where we're going to end up. And I just love how the podcast experiment has served you well in many ways and helped to connect with other people. And yeah, I love it. So another one, maybe just to, to touch on briefly, is at the same time that I was starting the podcast, I tried a different experiment and in and of itself, it went well, but it like, didn't really go any further. And that was, I thought it might be interesting to be involved in more like events as a speaker. And I actually spoke at a women in business conference in Bangkok in Thailand, I think it was last March. And I gave the presentation at this conference and it went well and I enjoyed it. But I suppose it wasn't really anything that got me traction and it wasn't something that led any further that was an interesting one for me to try, but it was also nice to be able to go, yeah, I tried it and it went fine. I didn't have any major challenges or hurdles and it really did play to that communication strength and perhaps to the significant strength, but it didn't really bring me anything in terms of the individualization. I didn't find like I was connecting with a lot of people or bringing a team together and it, it sort of felt like it was a lot more just me and it wasn't, yeah, it just wasn't one, something that I wanted to pursue further and, and that was a good thing to learn. Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? Many experiments are there to gather more information. So it's a success just simply to do it. But what we do is we gather more data as to whether we want to do more of it or less of it. I love that. Can we touch now on your event? Yeah. When you're talking about the micro experiments and then the increasing commitment in the mini experiments, the next one that I set out to do was to organize a food tasting event. I guess part of it for me was I'd loved making these connections with the podcast, but I wanted to do something that was more concrete, in person. And also, I guess the big thing about food is if you can't taste it, then that's a big gap. So that was where I wanted to almost bring the podcast to life in an event. And I had this grand vision of what I wanted to achieve. And I set out probably over the course of a three-month period, I, I set out with the idea in January and I wanted to try to pull it off by April. Was part of the purpose that you wanted to create more opportunities for people to get together and eat good food in your area? Yeah, that was part of it. And I guess the other thing to set in the background in all of this was I mentioned earlier that when I started the podcast, I was living in Bangkok in Thailand and I had moved back to Perth where I'm originally from over this time period. And I got back to Perth and while Perth has come a long ways in the 10 years that I was away, I found that there just wasn't the casual places to go out to eat for a wide variety of people, families that was fairly welcoming with different types of food. I felt like there was a real gap there. And there were some places that I'd been to and enjoyed in the US and in Thailand. And I thought, gee, wow, it'd be really awesome to start up my own casual family-friendly dining and food retail space. And you know, I guess part of the reason I wanted to start the event was I thought, well, I'm not just going to go out and uh, sign a lease and start my own food space, especially seeing as I don't have any background in the food industry. So an event might be a really good way to be a litmus test for that. 
And that was when I set out, tried to find a warehouse place that I could rent just for the day and connect with different businesses that would want to be part of this food tasting event. Restaurants, caterers, beer and wine, and then also different artisan food products that people could come along and taste and buy on the day and as well as some live music. And then there's also a lot of logistics that goes into that. And a couple of the things that went really well is I I learned a lot about the food business and about what goes on behind it, the marketing, the the finances of it, trying to make it work was pretty tough. Think about you go out to a restaurant and say you might pay $30 for a main course. But then as I started to dig down into everything that has to be put together behind the scenes and everything that has to be paid for and like where that $30 might be divided, it was really interesting to think about just how fine the margins must be in in that industry. And the, well, of course, the other challenge is, is the marketing and getting people to commit to things. And I think we're also pretty lucky in Perth in that we've had a real explosive growth of just interesting things going on, festivals and cultural events and all kinds of food truck things. And there's, there's really a lot of choice. And it is kind of hard to get people to commit to things and it's hard to get the word out there. And I figured, well, I'll just put some ads on Facebook and I needed about 200 people to come, probably make that 300 to be a little more conservative, to make the event fly financially. And when I was a week out and I had sold about, I think it was 27 tickets. I think there was maybe two people in that whole list that I didn't know, like it was mostly my family and friends. And I was starting to uncover a lot of unexpected costs and hurdles and things that I needed to take care of to make this event a success that I hadn't necessarily realized up front. And as I started to find there was more costs and more challenges and hurdles and there still was only 27 tickets sold, I was starting to get pretty nervous. And that, and it was actually at that point that I decided to pull the pin. And I just thought, no... This is not going the way I wanted it to go. This is not a feasible thing to pull off. And I kind of learned a lot from it. And I think a couple of things for me were the real benefit of, one, building the connections of the businesses that were going to be involved in the the event. And I met some really fabulous, amazing people that I've been trying to stay in in touch with and and I've been building out those relationships, which which has been lovely. But I also, as I said, learned about kind of the nuts and bolts behind it, which I hadn't necessarily understood going into it. And I think the other piece was I realized that a lot of these things and any mini experiment or anything where you're really stepping out of your comfort zone, you've got to have that support network in place. And I think I was trying a little bit to do it kind of as a one-man band and it probably wasn't the most wise way of doing it. And so I think for anyone that's that's trying something different is knowing who those people are and really identifying them. And that became quite apparent to me as I started to try to get this event in place and I started to have certain people come to me and approach me and say, and people I knew that I didn't expect, you know, and they were just willing to roll up their sleeves and get involved and help me out. And people that I didn't know as well that just emailed me and said, hey, I've seen your ads for your event. Can I help you out? So that was kind of interesting and it was really real eye-opener. And then it made me think for anything that we do, having that network support you or really be your cheerleader or the people that you can call up when things aren't working out that you can have a cry to and be like, this is a disaster, what do I do, that are going to be there to to listen or the people that are going to be your sounding board and that you can bounce ideas off and that can help you when, especially with things like this, sometimes it can feel pretty lonely. You can feel like you're really, wow, this is me in the world and I'm out there on my own. So having those support people is really, really critical. Yeah, fantastic description of the the whole experience. Sounds like you learned a lot during that experience. Looking back, 
would you change any part of it? I think it was really helpful to to try it because you can stand there and talk about stuff like that all day. And, you know, I had this dream of this space for people to come together and casual dining and it was, you know, a really wonderful dream in my head. But until you actually do something, you can do research on the industry or on the business all day. And until you really um, dive into it, you just have no idea. And so that I, I'm really glad that I did it. If I were to do it again, like I wouldn't take it away, but if I were to do it again, I would probably uh, set it out over a longer period. So three months was probably a little aggressive to try to pull it off. And also I would build a better team around it, like rather than try and do it all of me. And the other thing that I should probably point out in as an aside in all of this is that I was trying to do it while I was on maternity leave from my my day job and sort of thought, well, I've got a year off, right? A whole year. That is just so much time. And I had this real concern in my head that for a year, I wasn't going to be doing anything productive or I wasn't going to be putting anything out there in terms of adding value in the world. And I needed to do something. And I put a lot of pressure on myself from that perspective. I guess the thing that I didn't realize is that while I was on maternity leave with two boys that were quite young, I um, was going to be pretty busy. There wasn't a whole lot of spare time. So I think it was helpful. And I've talked with other women who have children as well about their need to have some sort of outlet or something for them. And and it was really beneficial from that perspective as well. But if I did it again, I would try to make sure that I had backup. I mean, I hadn't considered things like, what if my boys were really sick on the day that this event was going on? Like, what would I do? Like, I couldn't just walk out at, at home. You, you know, I needed people that could you know have my back in this event. And I didn't have that in the beginning. That was something I would do differently as well. I mean, sort of toyed around with, did I take on too much? And should I have started with something smaller in terms of the event? And that is one thought. And maybe with certain types of mini experiments, I would really recommend to start small and try to build up and try to build, whether it's the network or the expertise or the knowledge before you try to do something pretty big. Uh, this was looking at having a budget of like fifteen dollars to $20,000. I think for this event, what I really learned is it's, it's really hard to do something that's scaled back because there's a lot of overhead costs and even things like venues or security or music and also for the caterers and things that they almost had like a minimum. And it seemed like if I was trying to do something for less than about 200 people, it was really hard to spread those overhead costs on a per head ticket price for too small a group. And so the the actual feasibility of this type of thing wasn't really going to work, but I don't know, maybe I should have totally restructured it and, and come up with some other way that I could test it out at, on a much smaller scale. I think it would have been a way to have less exposure and less time commitment and yet still do something that's successful. Fantastic. I love hearing your summary and your reflections on that mini experiment. Next up, we're going to explore what is a recurring negative belief or self-talk that you have and you're learning to have overcome or perhaps you have overcome it. Well, I think the thing with this one and with a lot of things is that thought in my head of like, who are you? Who are you to do this? And particularly as I started to just explore different things, different industries, I started to think, well, you don't have any expertise in this area. You know, with the food things, I'm not a chef. I haven't had really any formal training in food. It's like you're just someone that likes to eat. And I've struggled with that, the credibility or almost the permission, I guess, to do it. And it's also when you're trying to explain to people your concept and they ask about you to try to explain to them why you're doing it and where you've come from. It can sometimes feel feel like a fraud. And I struggled with that a lot. And I don't think I've overcome it yet, but some of the ways that I've tried to overcome it have been continuing to build connections and 
continuing to talk to, stay in touch with those people that are the real cheerleaders. And the cheerleaders have come from some of the most surprising places. But when I hear from certain people with other small businesses that are similar, that were going to be part of this event, and I hear from them of like, oh, you know, we're really disappointed that the event didn't go ahead and you should try and do something later in the year or do you think you might do it again? And I hear that enthusiasm and I hear that support from them. That's when I think, wow, there really was some passion there and there really were people that thought this was a great idea. And that gives me a little bit of comfort I guess, and, and helps me to overcome that negative self-talk. I love that. I love that. So many experiments and cheerleaders. Deanne, would you like to set a challenge for this episode? Yeah, I think the challenges that I've been enjoying from your previous episodes, Nikki, have been really some good things to tackle and to think about. And what I'd like to challenge people today, I guess, is to think about a way that they can try something different or explore a different area than what they're already good at or, or known for. But think about how they can do it as a micro experiment. Think about what's one small thing that they might want to test out. And maybe it will lead them to somewhere different. Maybe it will open up doors and they'll run with it. Maybe it won't. Maybe it will be like, yeah, that was fine, but I, I don't know that I don't want to do that again. So I encourage them to try that. But I also, I guess I encourage people to, to do it from a place of just finding joy and experimenting with doing something more fun and adding creativity to their life. Because what I found really, really fascinating is then that's kind of where the genius comes from. And that's where doors get opened and you make connections and you build your network and you discover sometimes really unexpected, fascinating things. But I guess when we do things because we see we have to, or this is like the done thing or the way to go, or there's this path that we've attached in our mind this whole unraveling way forward, like I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do that, and then this door will open, and then and that's how I build wherever I'm going. Sometimes, we one, we lose the creativity and the joy, and two, life generally doesn't play out the way that our mind thinks it should. And I think it's that unexpected or just the different opportunities that can lead to some of the, the best genius out there. So that's what I would encourage everyone. Try something different just as a micro-experiment just for fun and just to be creative and to experiment. Perfect, perfect challenge. And like Deanne said, it may open this really creative pathway that you hadn't expected. And at the very least, one hour of fun, we know from Tammy Guest in an earlier episode that it will reduce your stress levels for 50% for three days. So why not? Thanks, Deanne, so much for sharing behind the scenes of your mini experiments and being so honest about them. I really appreciate it. And I love the challenge that you've set for everyone today. So thanks again. Thanks very much, Nikki. Okay, bye for now. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Two things I'd like to mention. Firstly, if you're keen to boost your happiness at work, then head on over to www.nikkismith.net.au, which is N-I-K-K-I-S-M-I-T-H.net.au and sign up for your starter kit. I share tips in there that are easy to implement and are pure gold. Secondly, if you crave a new work role and have no idea what to do, or lots of ideas but don't know where to start, then head on over and check out the 7-Step Career Change online program. This is an awesome system I use to help people create their dream life best fit role, which is a role that matches their strengths, interests and lifestyle needs. It will move you from feeling fed up unsure and unconfident to clear, inspired and motivated in six weeks. Plus, if you want to hear more stories like this one, please subscribe and spread the word. Till next time.